Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the author incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey, 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 everybody. We are back on Book Journeys Radio, and this week we have a super special treat for you. Every every week we talk to uh, an author about their experience writing their book, and we talk to uh, a lot of self-help and personal growth um, authors, And but we have something a little bit different today. Today we are talking with Tom Cohen. He is the author of Dogs with Old Man Faces, Portraits of Crotchety Canines. And uh, this book is actually, it's really a photographic treasury of old salty dogs uh, accompanied with captions like Pedro likes Old Spice and Sinatra or Jack enjoys a cup of hot Sanka, a hot cup of Sanka. So I love this. It is a fantastic book. Tom, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you having me. So tell us more about Dogs with Old Man Faces. Well, so Dogs with Old Man Faces, Portraits of Crotchety Canines is, I mean, the title is pretty self-explanatory. It's a book that features 70 really high-end, great black and white photos of very expressive dog faces. And each dog is accompanied by um, a funny, humorous caption, which sort of captures the essence of that dog's expression or personality. Um, And, of course, uh, you know, obviously they're all sort of old man-related captions. So things that old guys are into, and each one of the dogs sort of channels that, you know, that that stereotypical old guy that you might run across who wants those those kids off his lawn or, or, you know, thinks that things used to be better back in the 50s or, um, you know, or or is uh, just some sort of uh, old soul that, sort of stares back at you from the page. Okay, that is unbelievable. So where did you get this idea? Uh, so I was uh, living in Manhattan at the time, and, um, you know, as you probably know, a lot of people in, in New York have to have smaller dogs just to fit in their apartment. So a lot of people have breeds that just have really sort of shaggy, old soul expressions. And I think if you're a dog in Manhattan, I think over the years, you probably end up getting a little bit beaten down. And so I just started seeing all of these really amazing dog faces on the streets of the city um, on a daily basis. And I thought to myself, you know, someone should do a book featuring all these really amazing looking dogs that have all these really sort of expressive old soul faces and started taking photos. And the next thing I knew, I had about 30 photos and wrote some captions and, um, sent it off to my agent and we sold the book. So it sort of it sort of happened naturally. I'm a huge huge dog lover and an animal advocate and um I wanted to just create something that animal lovers and dog lovers and just even people that observe human behavior would find compelling and and humorous and and fun. So I have to ask, do you have a dog with an old man face? 
You know, I do sort of. I have a – we own a, an 11-pound Shih Tzu, and so she, you know, Shih Tzus typically have older-looking faces. She's a relatively young-looking Shih Tzu, even though she's seven years old, but she she has, I guess, more of an old lady face than an old man face. Okay. She's, oh, my um, God, but, yeah. we have the second book in the series. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm very excited about dogs with old lady faces. Uh, or maybe it's dogs with grandma faces. Oh, that's hot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. We're figuring out your future it. right here. That's right. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. So, so we, you know, I, I, I drew some inspiration from, you know, having my own animals and, um, and just wanting to spread the love of, of animals. I love that. Were you, are you a photographer? Like is, is the photography a part of it for you? So, I mean, I am an amateur photographer and I've taken, I've actually had the the privilege of traveling um, to a lot of places in the world and I always come back with um, some really amazing wildlife photos that I, that I just sort of figure out how to take. I don't, I don't do it professionally. And so when I did this book, I actually ended up hiring um, a professional photographer that could come with me to take the photos. Um, For me, it was more, you know, about finding the dogs and then having someone else be able to snap the best shots. Uh, Although that being said, some of the photos were actually um, found photos that were out there that I ended up um, contacting the photographer and asking if I could use them in my book. So they sort of come from a variety of sources, although the bulk of them, I would say 50% are either taken by my photographer or by me. In fact, a couple of them were even taken on my iPhone when I was out and about and I saw wow. face. I didn't have a camera. I said, I have to have that dog in my book. So I would, just, I would snap a shot myself. So you mentioned that you had a... Um that you had an agent. How did, how did you come to have an agent? So I have a TV, I'm a TV producer and I have a TV production agent. Um, And so I was sort of in that universe anyway, in terms of being in the entertainment and sort of understanding the value of having someone advocating for you. Um, When I had, I actually had an idea for this book and for another book and at the time, I was not with an agent, and someone recommended that I go set up a meeting with um, a specific literary agent that they knew. So I went in and pitched both of my books, and he said, you know, I think the dog one really could sell. So um, he signed me based on that pitch, and then um, we worked for a period of several months on putting together the right pitch and the right materials to get it out to publishers. So um it was actually the first time I had ever worked with him, so we sort of had some good luck right out of the gate. And so before, so you have this idea, you talk to your agent, and before it was even sold, did you create the book? Did you did you make it before it was sold, or did you have the contract before you created it? Uh, the contract with the agent, you mean? Uh, the contract with the publisher. Oh, with the publisher, no. So, um Right, so we had to come up with a way to convey the book without having to put in too much, too many resources. I mean, when you're writing a book, which is more of a, you know, a novel or a or a nonfiction book, you tend to have to write a chunk of it in order to sell it, or all of it in order to sell it. I think with a book like this, which is more of a novelty book, if you do a sample. 
um, which is what I did, of a certain number of dogs with captions, they get the idea of what the book could be from that sample. And so I didn't have to do the entire book in order to sell it. We did about, I think I did something like 30. I took 30 dog photos and wrote 30 captions. And I, I didn't even have to put it in any really fancy format. I just did a, a PDF with the dog face and the caption on a, on a separate page. And, um, and then, you know, I had to supplement it with, a bunch of material about myself and um, a, a relatively decent or detailed thought process of sort of who would be interested in the book, who would buy it, why would it appeal to people, you know, how is it tapping into some zeitgeist or some sort of um, national interest. So I was able to sort of pull up the statistics about dog and cat ownership and interest in the in the pet industry and I mean, it's it's actually pretty phenomenal recently, the amount of money, the increase in the amount of money people have spent on pet-related things. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple, I have a couple, two different dog books in the work with my clients, and it's just huge. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, okay, you know, so it's you have just, the... it's, it... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's um, it's an amazing sort of endless market in terms of, Anything that makes people feel really good and warm and fuzzy about pets mm. um, is sort of hot right now. Yeah. Okay, so you have the idea, you have an agent, you get a publisher, you've got the green light to go ahead. Talk us through the creation process. I know you said you worked with a photographer, but how long did it take and, and what was the process? So, I mean, I had a relatively long period of time, fortunately, to get this done. So it was really a matter of um, pacing myself in terms of, you know, let me really take a good number of photos and get all my photos together, call through them, make sure that I'm picking the best photos, um, and then write the captions. And I kind of trickled some of this material out to the publisher along the way. So it wasn't like, sending them everything mm. at once. Um, and so I was able to kind of get, make sure that some of the stuff was in the right direction and get some feedback. And it's not the kind of book where you do tremendous, a tremendous amount of rewriting. So it wasn't like there was heavy editing going on because it's really, I mean, it is what it is. It's a very simple, streamlined, straightforward book. So I was able to... Um, which is good because I was able to really make sure that these captions were exactly the way I wanted them and, and the way the publisher wanted them. Um, so for me, I think the, the, the most stressful part was how is this book going to look? Like what is the final product going to look like? Um, and that, you know, obviously you rely a lot on the publisher's design people to sort of put it together. So once I delivered the, the actual manuscript, um, then it was just waiting for them to get back to me with, here's the design, here's what the pages will look like. And it's a long process. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you, you get a book published and it's on the market next, next month. I mean, it was literally at least a year um, between getting the green light and getting the book out there. So it's just, it takes a long time. So that partly answers my next question, um, but I think there's probably more opportunity to expand. So when you, um, you know, kind of when you had 
finished the book or now looking back on it, is there anything that you wish you knew? Anything that ended up being different than you thought it would be? Um, in terms that of the, it would have been nice to know going into it. In terms of the entire process, you mean of of getting the book published? Um, yeah, but I would say just kind of focusing on right now on creating the book. Is there anything you would have done differently in that in that process of of creating your book or finding your publisher? Looking back, what would you have done differently before you wrote your book? Um, I mean, or I before think before you created it. Right. I think that what's really interesting about doing anything creative, whether it's a book or a TV show or writing music or anything, is that I think at the heart of all of it is that people, like I wanted people to see the book. I wanted it to get out there. And so I was very eager to get the book out for people to see. And just because I wanted to share it, I thought it was a really fun, clever, cute idea. And I just wanted people to see it. So I wasn't so much focused on the business aspects of it, which is, you know, mm-hmm. what is it going to be like working with a publisher? What is it going to be like working with the agent? Is it, how's it going to work financially? What's going to happen when the book is released? What are the next steps? I wasn't really thinking too much well, about any exactly of that. Well, that's exactly what I want to talk about. So tell, tell me some of the highlights and lessons learned there. Well, I mean, I think that it's, you assume that when you have a book published that, that means that people are going to see it. And I think it's, it's a, I think what I learned more than anything is that it's an extremely competitive marketplace and getting a book published is not the same as getting a book noticed. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was really gratifying and exciting to get the book published. Um, it, it, it was a little bit less exciting, the actual sort of reality of what that means in terms of, I think there's a um, – sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle and something gets published and it's immediately out there, and then sometimes things are just a slow trickle, um, and you really have to be patient in terms of getting people to notice it. I think a book like this is such a niche type of book that – and it's hard to publicize because it's a it's a novelty photography, animal, pet, photo book. It's not um, – newsworthy. It's not like a, a, non, a nonfiction book about something that's in the news. Um, so I think people are a little bit slower in terms of noticing it. So it's not like getting a book published is the same as getting a widespread distribution of your book. And it's the same with anything. Like it's the same with TV show or um, a piece of music or any or any art. Um, I did this book because I thought it was a really funny idea and I thought people would really love it. I didn't do it because I was expecting to make a ton of money or to become some sort of, you know, world-famous author. I think, you know, the goal was just to accomplish it and get it out there. Um, But you learn a lot about the process of publishing and sort of the economics of publishing, I think, were some of the things that I just had no idea about. Yeah, so I'd love for you to share some of that. I was talking to uh, somebody this morning who was saying, well, I really want to go with a traditional publisher because I want them to do all the marketing. And, you know, right now I'm paying for a publicist and I don't really want to have to be paying for a publicist. I really want the publisher to to take care of all of that. Um, So why don't you bust some of those myths that might be out there about what a publisher does and doesn't do? 
I don't think that the – so the economics of publishing are very different than they used to be. That's my understanding. And so I think that a publisher is not necessarily in the business of publicity. I don't think those are the same thing. I think – and I, what I've learned, which I didn't expect at all, and it could just be case-by-case case basis, but in my case, you know, I learned that I have to look out for my book and I have to look out for the publicity and the marketing and try to do a lot of legwork to get – I mean, I, I was, you know, I was even sending the book out myself to newspapers. And, you know, I hired a publicist, um, and they were able to get the Huffington Post and People Magazine. Uh, of course, they're all online, but, you know, a lot of, um, you know, Dallas, the newspaper in Dallas and a newspaper out west to to write a little blurb about it before the holidays last year, which was great. That's fantastic. Um, but I had to take care of all of that. It's not like I was going to say. But what role did the uh, what role did the publisher or your agent play at that? Um, the agent, my agent specifically, didn't didn't play any role <laughs> in the publicity. Yeah, I mean, just to be totally and, the, and by the way, that's totally normal. And I think people are surprised, which is you know, which is why we do this show here because people. I mean, you were super lucky, but people will spend you know, a year trying to find an agent thinking that they're, you know, buying all of their marketing and support as well as, you know, finding a publisher that's going to do all this work for them. And it's not to say everyone should self-publish by any means, but I think it's important for people to know when they're making their decision that a publisher is going to do the design. They are going to do distribution in a way that's very different than if you self-publish. But they're probably not going to be spending a ton of their marketing budget on you or time or energy. No, I think, I mean, self-publishing is appealing in a lot of ways because you can control pretty much everything you do. Um, I think, you know, the benefit of having a traditional publisher is that they send their titles to bookstores and to Amazon.com and other places that sell books. And they have a relationship with the distribution channels that you don't have if you self-publish. Um but in terms of publicity and marketing and getting the word out, I mean, they're not bending over backwards to make sure that your book is sitting out on the front table at Barnes & Noble at holiday time. That's, I mean, I literally, it's funny, I literally would go into Barnes & Noble and try to move my book from the, the, pet, the pet shelf to the, you know, to the humor table that's up in front that has Grumpy Cat and all these other books that are already out there. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, why isn't my publisher making sure that this book is... But that's not what they do. I mean, that's not part of the process. So I had to do a lot of... You have to be creative and coming up with ways to try to get people to notice your book. I mean, I work with... I've worked in the past and sometimes work with celebrities in my business as a TV producer. So, you know, my, I, I'm trying to... I'm always trying to get a celebrity to notice my book and tweet about it or... Facebook post about it or something that can catch on that way. Um, but that's all incumbent upon me to take care of. It's not, that's not an agent or a publisher's area of, of interest uh, for the most part. And I don't know if you know this, but those front table displays and even having your book on the shelf turned out with the cover facing out, those are actually paid placements. And if you ask right. your publisher, they'll let you pay thousands of dollars for that opportunity. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, that's part of that. That's part of the thing that you don't realize is that it's not about 
you know, it, it's all about economics and it's about, you know, who who are the big players that are going to bring a ton of money really quickly to the publisher. It's not about who are the slow trickles that are going to bring a small amount of money over a long period of time or whatever it might be. So there's just, you just learn these things as you publish, when you publish a book and you just try to be as upbeat and positive about the process as you can. Um, when, once you realize that the, the money's not going to flow in, um, and there are there are plenty of people that the money does flow in because for uh, whatever reason it just catches on somehow. And you know I've sold a decent number of copies of my book, but it's not um, it, it's not you know it's not making any. You're not rich retiring on point. the revenue. No, <laughs> no. And they have this uh, one thing I actually learned, which I found sort of fascinating, interesting slash frustrating, is that you can go onto Amazon. Amazon has a feature, and I'm sure you know this, but they have a, the author page, and you can sign up, and they keep a a relatively updated graph of how many books you're selling um, over a period of time, and it it's like looking at a, a one of those heart EKGs because it just kind of goes up and down and up and down. And um, at one point, last right after the holidays last year, my book was like number two thousand out of eight point eight million books, and then it precipitously dropped after that. I think now it's like 800,000. So there are a lot of books because that, that figure, eight, 800,000 out of 8.8 million, it still means selling maybe one book a week or two books a week or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, a pretty interesting, it's a pretty interesting thing to follow for the first couple of months that you have a book published and then it becomes a little frustrating. So you have actually done quite a bit of PR. Um, and I know that's something uh, that a lot of authors want to do. What's the correlation you see between some of your media appearances and those charts on Amazon? Does it make a big difference with book sales? I've tried to find a correlation, and it's a little tricky. I think there was a period where I, I, there's actually a little bit of a delay is what I've learned from it. Um, hmm. I did, a, a, you know, there was a – a lot of I did a flurry of publicity right before um, the holiday season last year, and that was reflected in in like the beginning or middle of January, um, which either means there's a delay in those figures or that people heard about it late. And I mean, I don't know what that actually reflected. Um, there was a period of a couple of weeks when it was like the sales were a lot higher than they were a couple of weeks before and a couple of weeks after. Um, I don't, it's hard for me to, I think it also depends on the, the number of, of readers or listeners of whatever publicity I'm doing. I think that there, there's a, there's a, like a, a critical mass of the number of people following a particular piece of PR that makes the sales go up. You know, there has to be a certain number of people that read it or click on it to, catch on for it to catch on yeah and so what are some of the things whether it's it's PR or other things you've done but what have been the things that you think have either been most successful to get the word out about your book or most fun for you I think the the radio interviews that I've done have been really fun just because um, well it's just a unique and fun thing to do and just to be able to talk about my book and I've had a, such a variety of of types of people that I've spoken to. And some people are, 
you know, really, really enthusiastic and think it's so much fun. Other people are a little bit more like clinical about tell me about the book and it's not as much of a visceral experience for them. Um, mm-hmm. so the radio, the radio interviews have been fun and it's fun to see a print. You know, I've had some, and by print, I mean mostly online, but you know, articles about the book and, and, um, being able to share that with friends and family has been kind of exciting. Um, I think it's what's the hardest thing I think is breaking through to the sort of higher echelon of media where, you know, it becomes something that you find out about through someone else or someone else reads about it and gets in touch with you, you know, getting to the point where you're not sharing the article with people, but someone that you know is sharing it with you saying, Hey, I read Mm. about your book and -and so-and-so, you know, I think that's the hardest. It, It was fun when my brother, um, first, right when the book first came out, he, uh, he came upon a copy on the shelf at some very small boutique shop in California and just happened to see it on a table. And that was fun because it wasn't in a big bookstore. He's like, oh, I didn't expect to see your book here. So that, that was kind of a, a neat experience. And do you have a, a favorite moment, something that's happened to you as an author, somebody you met in the process of creating your book or after your book came out, some experience that's your favorite story about being a published author? Um, you know, it's it's such a different world than it used to be. And so, so much of this stuff happens in a virtual world where you're online and you're emailing someone from a newspaper, here's my book, and they write back, I love it, we want to do a piece. And so, it's so much of it is not face-to-face anymore that it's really hard to pinpoint, like, a moment where, you know, it's not like small town where you're sitting in a bookstore and the town lines up around the corner to get a copy of your book or I mean I think what I found probably the most fun was that there's a local bookshop um in Washington DC. It's called it's actually called Politics and Prose. It's a pretty famous bookshop. It's right and, up the road from me in fact. Yeah. It's my favorite yeah, bookstore. And, and so they um they wanted to stock the book and so or they had copies of the book and then I, they somehow got in touch with me and said, Would you mind coming down and signing copies. So I went down there and I signed a bunch of copies. And then a couple of weeks later, they called me and said, we sold out. Can you come back and sign more? That was really exciting because it was just kind of, you know, unexpected that a local bookshop would sell out and then ask me to come down and sign some more. Um, and since it's That's a local fantastic. bookshop, it was just kind of a, a fun, you know, it was an exciting couple of weeks because it was, you know, it was like, oh, well, you know, if it's sold out and they want more, then, you know, it's definitely people are responding to it. Um, you're not going to get that. So wait, kind of do you live in my neighborhood? Are you in DC? Uh, I'm in I'm in Bethesda, Maryland. You are practically in my neighborhood. That's awesome. I, we'll have yeah. to meet up at uh, Politics and Prose one of these days. Definitely. Where Where are you Where are you doing this from? I am on the other side of the park in Tacoma Park. So oh, okay. just on the other side of 410. Yeah. And I'm I had no idea because the number the I called in. Yeah, the number I called in is um, is like a Pennsylvania number, so I had no idea where I was calling. Right around the corner. We could have practically nice. done this with the... Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's right, we could have done it in person. Strength. Yeah. So, well, I, lived in um, New York. I was I was in Manhattan for, for almost 20 years, and I just came down here um, a couple years ago to escape the big city for a while. Well, welcome, welcome to the D.C. area. So in our I, last I, minute I, or two, any, um, any, fi- any advice that you would leave somebody, especially somebody who wants to do a fun novelty book that's maybe 
graphic or photography heavy. Any advice that you would give them? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, my advice, of, and anytime anyone wants to do any creative project that they that they love or feel excited about, is just to do it. And I, I would say, if it gets published or it sells, that's great. If not, you know, if, even if you can share it with a handful of people that love it, I think that's probably good enough because it's, you know, it in in a world where there's so much stuff out there. If you can get your thing done and you feel proud about it, then I think you've accomplished a lot because there are so many people that just don't ever do the project that they want to do or they don't they don't take the time to to try yeah. and get it accomplished. I mean, it's, you know, my book is, um, you know, is a small, small, small piece of a huge, huge industry in terms of not only books but just the pet industry and, um and I, I'm just happy to have been a very, very, very tiny part of that just because it's just something that I'm interested in. So that, to me, was it was worth it. Um, That's awesome. You know, well, obviously Tom it would Cohen. Be nice if, you know. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, obviously it would be nice if... Um, Yes, we're we're gonna get Tom's on his way to being a bestseller. In the meantime, he's a <laughs> right. multiple Emmy award-winning TV producer, and he is the author of. Dogs with Old Man Faces, Portraits of Crotchety Canines. It's published by Running Press, and you can pick up a copy on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or if you live like us in the D.C. area, you can pick it up at Politics and Prose. So, Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks. I really appreciate the time. It was fun. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.